Well, it is so good to have you here, and uh, kind of fun to have the Unplugged throwback set this morning uh, with Ron and, and Sarah. Uh, I was thinking about some of those songs from the 90s. I remember in the late 90s, we were in another building, and there was this young, young man from Blaine that had been invited to our church. Uh, was not a Christian, but he came, and his name was Ron Pye. And uh, he became a Christian with those songs. And to have him now, 20-some years later, leading us in that, just, uh, for me, is just a, a great, great time of worship. Good to have you here. And those of you online, so gl- grateful that you're worshiping with us. And those of you at our Skagit campus, as well as our community sites at the Gym Church in Belize, so glad that you're with us uh, today. You know, uh, one of the things I love about uh, the church is that we are the body of Christ. We're the family of God. And I'm grateful for uh, the church, not just this church, but the church. I was raised in the church. And, um, and this morning, uh, sometimes we'll point out, you know, like the uh, birthday of our most senior saints or what have you. This morning uh, in the building, we have our youngest new member of Cornwall Church. Two days old, Gideon is here for the first service this morning. So, uh, so grateful to have uh, young Gideon Carlson here with us. And uh, yeah, just so excited to see generation after generation after generation pass on the faith. Just a beautiful thing. Um, I had an opportunity yesterday to be at a graveside service as we um, buried a man whose parents were a part of this church. He's a part of this church. His children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren. I'm just so grateful, grateful for the body of Christ. Anyway. Um, I probably ought to get to my notes, otherwise we'll never get out of here today. I do want to say one more thing, is that next week we're starting a brand new series um, that I'm looking forward to. We're going to dig into a book of the Bible that doesn't get a lot of uh, attention, and it's deep with rich theology, but unbelievably practical applications for us, and we're going to just tear it apart between now and Easter. Easter, if you're not aware, if you haven't looked at your calendar, comes a little bit late this year, so we're going to spend 13 weeks on that. That'll start next week. This week kind of stands alone, and and I'll just tell you right up front, I struggled with this sermon, uh, not in, in whether I should preach it or not, but it just, it feels chunky to me. It doesn't feel like it flows real well, and, um, and, and there's all these different parts, and uh, so we're going to give it a shot, um, <laughs> and, and, and let me just kind of tell you a little bit of what you're going to get. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a line out of a, of a, out of a one-hit wonder song, uh, a, young, a young singer-songwriter. Uh, she wrote this incredible song, but it really was her only hit. I mean, it was a one-hit wonder. One line out of that. Um, I want to give you a little bit of Nancy Reagan. I, I want to talk about a Russian lawsuit. I want to give a nod to ZZ Top and Duck Dynasty. And then I want to talk about um, a scuba mask and how all of that applies to you and me, and hopefully it's biblically sound. So, and then at the end of it, some, some next steps for us. So that's why it feels so chunky to me. Um, and so, so I'll say this. If you get nothing else out of this sermon, I'll understand that. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to try it, and, uh, and we'll see. And honestly, I was telling Kip this this morning in the parking lot. If you walk out of here and say, you know, that really wasn't much of a sermon, I'll agree with you on that one. But if you say, but I'm going to participate and engage in this, I'll say, praise God, that's what I long for. So, one hit wonder. This young lady, uh, I don't know if she was even aspiring to be a singer or a songwriter, but she wrote a song, and uh, this last year during Advent, I, I decided I'm gonna commit to memory the lyrics of this song. It was the only song that, that I know of that, that kind of made it big for her. In fact, she didn't even give it a title. Uh, we've given it a title over the years. We, not like us, but collectively as as uh, 
humanity has given it a title over the years that I don't know that she ever intended it to be a title. But the title of the song, this one hit wonder from this young songwriter, uh, is called The Magnificat. And the Magnificat is a Latin word. It means magnify. And uh, the young songwriter was a, a young virgin named Mary. And she wrote and sang this song when she found out that she was pregnant and she went to visit her relative Elizabeth, who was well along in years, but she was six months pregnant. So, so she writes this song. And it's called Magnificat because in Latin, the first word out is magnificat, magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord, or many of your translations, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, all this. And she talks about a little bit about herself, but then she just begins to talk about God and how his mercy extends to all those who fear him. And I, I won't go through the whole thing, but how he has performed these mighty deeds with his arm, and how he has scattered those who are proud, and how he's brought down rulers from their throne, but he's, he's lifted up the humble. And then this line, she says, he has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich have gone away empty. He's filled the hungry with good things, but the rich, those who have a lot, they go away empty. And I begin to think about that. Have you ever, just in physically, ever been full but not satisfied? Like, you, you're not hungry anymore, but you're just not satisfied. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe it was bland, maybe you had your mind. But that's, that's a danger zone for me. Like, I'm not hungry, but I'm not satisfied, so I, I just start, I start foraging. I start rummaging. I, I start grazing. I you know, try a little of this, try, add another 2,000 calories just because I'm not satisfied. But she says this, you know, the, the rich are sent away, the ones who have a lot, they send away empty. It's like they're not satisfied. But the hungry are filled with good things. And I began to wonder, is it possible that you could be hungry and satisfied? And as I was thinking about this sermon and this season for us as a church, I began to think that line, he has filled the hungry with good things, is a, a description, the essence of a of an ancient spiritual practice that the followers of Jesus and the followers of God have been practicing for thousands of years. This spiritual discipline of fasting. That, that there's this sense of being hungry, and yet in this hungering, God fills us with good things. And fasting, in essence, is saying no to ourselves so that we can say yes to Jesus. It's, it's reining in and curbing our physical appetites so that we have a deeper hunger for spiritual things. It's detaching from the world and its trappings and its comforts so that we can engage in the kingdom and what it has to offer. And followers of God and followers of Jesus, individuals and groups and even nations have done this for years. And churches have, and we have. And we will. Now, a little bit of a history, recent history, not the full fasting history with our church, but recent history. About five or six years ago, some of our pastors and some of our staff went to a conference that was put on, it was a national conference put on by Leadership Network, and it was hosted in a church in Alabama. And while they had some amazing speakers and, and pastors and Christian leaders and great seminars and all these things, the thing that impacted me the most wasn't even on the, 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 the syllabus, the agenda, the, the, the outline. It was something we picked up from this church that was hosting this conference, and we kind of picked it up on it almost serendipitously, kind of a back door. We saw some of their literature. We talked to some of their staff and began to find out that this church has as a part of their annual rhythm twice a year 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it just stuck with me. And, and Pastor Jeff, our executive pastor, and I were talking about that, and, 
And just thinking about that and, and talking with their staff, and they just kept pointing to these 21 days that we together as a community, we, we seek the Lord and we say no to ourselves and say yes to Jesus and what he's done in their midst. And just thinking, I wonder if that's something that we could do at Cornwall. Not to try to be like that church, but to help us become more like Jesus. So what Jeff and I talked about that, and, and then in 2018, Jeff and I said, hey, let's just start with us, just he and I. So we did kind of this season of prayer and fasting. The next year, in January of 2019, we decided we were going to do this again, but we were going to invite our other pastors to be a part of that, to join us. And then we said, now, if, if our elders find out that we did this and they weren't invited, they're going to be upset. So we invited them in, and we said, well, let's go ahead and extend this to our staff. And so we did that in 2019. And then in 2020, we said, let's, let's broaden this out to our entire church. And some of you may or may not remember, but in 2020, I can't imagine that you'd remember the sermon series. In 2020, in January, I preached a three-week series on the subject of fasting, the spiritual discipline of fasting. It was called, um, uh, I can't even remember what it was called. But it was about fasting, I will tell you that. It was called Not So Fast. All right. And, and then, following that, we invited you into a three-week experience to exper experiment to try this discipline that most of us in America say we don't want to have anything to do with it. And then again last year, in January, I did a, a three-week series uh, simultaneous with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was called Less is More. And the whole idea of the 21 days is, is really, it's, it's not a magical number. Daniel fasted for three weeks, so we kind of take it with that. There's people that fasted for a day, for three days, 10 days, 21 days, 40 days. We thought 21 is good enough that it can give us you know, some latitude, but not so long that it just goes on forever. And so we did that. And we desire that this would become as much a part of the annual rhythm of this church as Christmas Eve Easter, Cornwall at the Mall, whatever it is that we do every year that some of us look forward to, the baptisms, the celebrations, that this would be a part of our year, not as some sort of a lifeless, legalistic ritual, but as an annual, life-giving, breath-filling, um, this experience in the rhythm of this church. So this year, we'll do this again. And so today, um, our time together with my chopped-up sermon is really kind of a, a primer for that. It's a little bit of a reminder, it's a refresher, and it's a launch for our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, if all this is brand new to you, you've never even heard of this, or you're like, eh, I'm not sure about this, if you want to hear more, uh, those sermon series are on our, our website. You can go back in the archives, you can listen to those or watch those to get a, a more um, extensive treatise on the uh, subject of fasting. But today, I want us to just be reminded of some of these things, and then I, at the end of my sermon, which is going to be shorter, but our time together will not, uh, I want to give you some very, very practical next steps of where we can go if you so choose to uh, engage uh, with us on that. So here we go. I've already given you the lyric. Let's move on. Last summer, uh, we did a series going through the book of Acts, which I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed. We could have done that for much longer, wish we would have, but in Acts, you'll remember, the Holy Spirit comes, ignites this church, the church begins to grow, things are happening, there's a persecution, Stephen is killed, people scatter everywhere, and then some go up to the north, and there's some people from, from Cyrene and Cyprus who go to a place called Antioch, which is north of Israel. 
And in Antioch, these men began to preach the gospel to Greeks, not to Jews, to Greeks. And the Greeks are beginning to take in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what's happening. And the people, the powers that be in Jerusalem are like, we're not sure if this is okay. You know, we're a Jewish kind of a deal and here are these Greek people. So they send Joseph, also known as Barnabas, up there to check it out. Barnabas says, hey, this is legit. He pulls a guy named Saul down who would eventually become the apostle Paul. And the church in Antioch is becomes this centerpiece, an amazing part of the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 13, it says this, in the church at Antioch, and then it lists off some of the leaders, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So many times when we approach fasting, it's just like there's fasting. But this is put together. See, this is where the Nancy Reagan thing comes in. Because when it comes to fasting, we just think, just say no. Just say no to this, just say no to that, just say no to that. It's just no, no, no. Or George Bush, not gonna do it. We just say, no, we're not gonna do it. It's all negative, it's just no, no, no. So it wasn't just a just say no. They were worshiping, they were saying yes as they were fasting, as they were saying no. And biblical fasting, when done right, fasting in and of itself is an act of worship. It's not just a self-denial. And trying to understand that, kind of the working definition that I've used in the last three years in the sermon series about fasting is that fasting is a voluntary denial for spiritual purposes. Voluntary, not obligation, not heavy-handed, not manipulation, not guilt, not comparison, not competition. I don't want that for any of us. It's voluntary. And my prayer is that if you choose to be a part of this this year, that it would come from a, a heart that's willing, and not just willing, but eager and expectant and joyful. But it's voluntary. You don't have to do this. And you shouldn't do it if you feel like someone's forcing you to do this. But it's a voluntary denial, and typically, primarily in scripture, when there's fasting, it's a denial of something dietary, usually food, all or portions of a diet, you see that. Now, that's not exclusive, but that's the primary way. And it's for a spiritual purpose. There are other kinds of fastings, and they're good in and of themselves. There have been times that people have gone on hunger strikes for social justice, for political purposes that serve its purpose, and that's great. That's not what biblical spiritual fasting is. There have been people that have fasted, and maybe you have, for, for health purposes, for cleansing purposes, and physically, that's great, but that's not the primary goal of biblical spiritual fasting. It's the saying no to ourselves so that we can say yes to Jesus. We can say no so that we can worship, we can detach, and we can, and, and we can curb our appetites so that we can engage with the kingdom of God and hunger more for him and find that he fills the hungry with good things. Now what's interesting is that in scripture, most of the, at, I would think at least half, maybe more than half, of the scriptures that talk about fasting are corrective. Because it's so easy to misunderstand this, to abuse it, to misuse it, to manipulate it, and that's not it. So there's all this correction. Isaiah does some corrective teaching about fasting. Jeremiah does corrective teaching about fasting. Zechariah does as well. Jesus himself, 
when he talks about fasting, he starts off with correcting, like, let's make sure you're not doing it wrong. In, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, when you fast, and notice he just says, like, yeah, I'm just kind of assuming that you're going to. He doesn't say you must or if. He says, hey, when you fast, do not, and he's like, okay, before we even get any further, let's make sure we're doing this right, so let me correct some things. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So that's wrong. That's, that's not what we're talking about. And it seems like he's addressing two issues, an attitude going into fasting and an audience. And how is it that we approach it with this attitude of this somberness, this heaviness, this burden of I want, oh, this is horrible, this is awful. In fact, right now, if you're saying, oh, I hate when we do 21 days of prayer and fasting, just don't do it. Because with that attitude, you're not gonna get anything. And, and I don't want this to be this begrudging, oh, I hate this, but I must do it, like flossing. <laughs> so he says, you know, don't look somber. Instead, and he would go on and say, instead, wash your face and put oil on, which was kind of an Old Testament thing of, of rejoicing. This ought to be a joyful attitude as you approach this, expecting what is God gonna do in my life? And your audience, he says, don't do this for, for, to be seen by men. Like, if, if your goal is people to say, wow, look at how spiritual she is. Man, he is so holy. Wow, look how disciplined they are. He says, go ahead and enjoy that. Because that praise from other people, that's all you're gonna get out of this. That's it. So, so if that's your motive, good on you, but that's all you're gonna get from this. Instead, your audience is God. Now, Sometimes that can be taken to the extreme of, well, I can't tell anybody if I'm fasting. I can't let anybody know, and if someone finds out, it, it negates it all. Okay, that's not the case. Did you know that Jesus fasted? Yeah, we know that. Does that negate his fasting? No, it's not. It's not about being seen fasting. I think John Piper said this. It's not about being seen fasting. The problem is when we're fasting to be seen. Big difference. So if that's the case, then you're doing it completely wrong. And it's keeping a proper perspective, keeping a proper perspective of when we fast to make sure that our attitude is right, make sure that it's not just about saying no and that, that there's some saying yes and that there's worshiping God in the midst of it. And it's not to impress anybody else. It's to engage and connect and humble ourselves and receive from our God who comes to meet with us. To have that perspective. See, the goal of fasting is not fasting, it's not saying no. The, the object of fasting is not fasting itself. The goal and the object is Jesus, to keep him front and center, to keep our eyes fixed on him, to worship him, to know him, to be transformed more into his likeness. In one of the corrective passages uh, about fasting, Isaiah writes these words in Isaiah 58. He writes, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is that it? I just, full disclosure, there have been so many times that that describes my fasting. Times when I've done this and it has become more legalistic and it's more about what I'm not doing and I'm thinking God's up in heaven saying, is that really it? Because I'm just like, I'm not engaging, I'm just not eating. And I'm just counting the minutes down. 
because technically at midnight I can start eating again, and so I'm waiting, and then I start realizing it's already midnight on the East Coast. So I mean, so I mean, it's like, okay, maybe you've missed it here, Bob. Maybe you've made it about yourself and about sacrifice, but you've never made it about Jesus and about being filled up. Another full disclosure, I have never ever read an issue of the Moscow Times. I know that shocks you. But in August, I heard about an article that was in the Moscow Times. This is the headline. Russian woman sues McDonald's after succumbing to a burger ad during Lent. So I'm drawn in by the article. So Ms. Avchinikova, she is a, a, a Russian Orthodox uh, believer, and she practices Lent, you know, this giving up before Easter. And she goes on in the article, explains that she has a 16-year streak during Lent season of not eating any animal products. And she's very excited about having done this for 16 years. Not any animal products, not just meat, but we're talking butter and cheese and, and milk and uh, eggs and no animal products during Lent for 16 years until last year. And this is what the court record records. She said, when I saw an advertising banner, I could not help myself. I visited McDonald's and bought a cheeseburger. In the actions of McDonald's, I see a violation of the consumer protection law. I asked the court to investigate, and if a violation has taken place, to oblige McDonald's to compensate me for moral damage in the amount of 1,000 rubles, which, by the way, is about $14 U.S. And I read that, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just like her. When it's all this legalism, and I've got these 16 years of streak, and they did this, and now they owe me. And listen, if that's your attitude, oh, I didn't quite fast, and so it's a moral dilemma, and I'm going to sue a fast food chain for $14. Maybe you've missed the point of fasting. Maybe, just maybe. And maybe it's all become about this, what I'm giving up, instead of what is God doing in my life. There was a, a book Pastor Bill gave me called 40 Days of Decrease by a woman named Alicia Cole. And she said this in this book, God seems more interested in what we are becoming than in what we are giving up. God's more interested in what's happening inside of us than what we're giving up. And so many times when it comes to fasting, I'm way more interested in what am I giving up and how long am I giving up that and how much am I giving up and how much is this gonna cost me? How difficult is this gonna be as opposed to what's happening here? Wasn't it at least twice where Jesus quotes Hosea to those religious people when he says, go figure out what this means. I desire mercy, not your sacrifice. A transformed heart, not just going through this lit uh, legalistic ritual of giving these things up. And as we fast, instead of focusing on all this hunger and this emptiness and what I'm missing and what I'm giving up, maybe we gotta change our whole perspective and our view. I, I love what, how the psalmist writes this in Psalm 63. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. I may be hungry, but God is filling me with good things. And my soul, my stomach may be empty, but my soul is filled as with the richest affair. And I'm not moaning, and I'm not complaining, and I'm not bowing my head like all this burden. I am filled with worship and singing with joyful lips. 
If that was our approach when it comes to fasting, that he fills the empty with good things, saying no to ourselves, but saying yes to Jesus, fasting, but worshiping, reigning in our physical appetites, but hungering deeply for the things of God, detaching from the comforts and the trappings of our world to engage and connect with the kingdom of God. See, it's not just giving up, but filling up. It's not just what we're denying ourselves for. It's not just what we're eliminating from our life or from our lifestyle or from our pattern or from our calendar. It's what are we putting in there instead? Maybe I'm saying no to these things, but what am I saying yes to? More time in the word? Memorizing scripture? Time of silence and solitude? Time of repentance? Serving others? Times of celebration and worship? Times of prayer and intercession for one another? Times of just being still? Yeah, there's a saying no, but there's also a saying yes. Which is where my scuba mask comes in. And this might be a really, really horrible illustration, but it works in my head. So as a kid, I was always enamored with the whole, the frogman thing from way back, you know, and uh, the bell divers and all that. In the late 90s, I just thought, you know what, I'm gonna get certified. So I did, I signed up for a, for a class and, and was going to, to these classes and to become a certified scuba diver. And we watched these videos and we read these books and we had these lectures and, and then they actually got us in the water. You kinda need that, that's a big part of it. And started us off in the swimming pool in the shallow end and just, you know, and to kinda keep progressing deep in and then into the lake and then into the sound, all right. So, as they were telling us this, they were talking about some of the things that would be required for us to get certified and some of the tests, the skills that we would have to show them that we had the aptitude at. The one that they explained to me that was the most intimidating to me, and maybe even scary to me, was they said, if we're gonna take you underwater, we can get you down there, get you at the bottom of the lake, you get you comfortable, and then you're gonna have to take your mask off and then put it back on and clear it. And that, that was just like, I, everything else I think I can do. You know, take the respirator, I can, I can do all those other things. Take the, the BC off, I, but take my mask completely off, deep underwater, and then put it back on and clear it, all the water out of the I just like, how, I don't know how I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna get down there and I'm gonna panic and there's gonna be water and I can't see and, and, and I just got vision of like a goldfish swimming across my, you know, like a, I just, oh, I just like, how am I gonna do all this? And then they taught us how. And suddenly it's like, that makes so much sense. So when I'm down there, if I take this mask off, it fills up with water and I'm underwater and I put it back on and it's filled with water. How am I gonna get the water out and how am I gonna do this without drowning? And they said, it's, it's really quite simple. When you put the mask back on and it's filled with water, press the top against your forehead, put a little bit of space below and then just start blowing air bubbles with your nose and the air will force all the water to this to go out of the mask. So it's not about getting water out of the mask, it's about getting air into the mask. Huh. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's not just about less of me, but it's more of Jesus. To fill up more with Jesus, if I do that correctly, there's gonna become less of me. There's a guy who is a lifelong faster. I mean, from birth, he fasted. There were certain things he fasted from birth. 
like wine and fermented beverage. He never, ever, his whole life, he, he fasted from alcohol. And it, when we see him as an adult, he, his, his whole diet is, is really quite, um, boy, it, it's, it's very minimal. And he's very simplistic in his clothing. He's fasted a lot of creature comforts, a lot of this world. He's fasted. And it's implied, as you look at this, it's implied that he fasted something else his entire life. That he fasted from haircuts and from shaving his entire life. It's implied because of a Nazarite vow. This is the nod to ZZ Top and Duck Dynasty. <laughs> Two things ZZ Top and Duck Dynasty have in common. One, they're both from the South. The other is long beards. I think John the Baptist comes on the scene in his 30s and he makes the guys from ZZ Top and from Duck Dynasty look like they've got peach fuzz. He has never shaved in his life. And here's this man who has fasted. He said no to a lot of things so that he could say yes to the mighty things of God. And he makes this statement that kind of illustrates the whole scuba mask illustration. He makes this statement. It's seven or eight words, depending on your translation. It could be even be uh, narrowed down to, two, uh, to six words. It's found in John chapter 3, verse 30. Here's a little quiz. It's found in John what? 3.30. John 3.30. It's found in John what? Online? Type it in the chat. John what? Okay, got it. In John 3.30... This man who's fasted his whole life, he says these words. He said, I'm, uh, he must become greater, I must become less. And another translation says, he must increase, but I must decrease. More of Jesus, less of me. More of Jesus, less of me, and maybe the best way to have less of me is to focus on more of Jesus. Instead of focusing on, I can't do this, and I've gotta do this, and I, it's, then it becomes all about, in trying to not be about me, it becomes all about me. But to have it be more of Jesus and less of me. Seeking Jesus, knowing Jesus, worshiping Jesus, becoming like Jesus. It's seeking Jesus, and in these 21 days, it's seeking Jesus together as a community, seeking together as a community. As I mentioned, there were times Daniel and his friends, four of them, they fasted, a part, they did a, a partial dietary fast. There were times when Esther would call all of the people to fast with her. There were times when the prophets would call all of uh, the, the entire nation to fast. There were, there were times, as we saw, where, where um, where the church leaders would fast, where these groups would together would fast to seek God. One of those is found in Joel, and I know I'm taking this a little out of context, but what if this was, what if this was, was us today? Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate, which means set apart the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children. That we together Say, so we're going to say no to ourselves so that we can say yes to Jesus. We're going to fast and we're going to worship. We're going to restrain our physical appetites and go with a deep hunger for the spiritual deep things of God. And we'll even detach ourselves from some of our creature comforts and some of the things that we normally do 
so we can be connected to the kingdom of God. So that our prayer and our goal would be he must increase and we must decrease. Now, as I said, I want to invite you to be a part of this for the next 21 days. And you're saying, well, uh, uh, like not eat for 21 days? Relax, we'll get into That's not what I'm saying. Hold on. And again, I want to repeat, if you're like, I hate it when you do this, then don't participate. No judgment from me. That's not a big deal. I would rather you not do this than go into it with a horrible attitude and hate it the whole way. So let me, if you choose to, to accept this invitation, let me give you some, some next steps. So that means the chunky sermon's all done. So if you got nothing at all out of that sermon, I'm with you, okay? Let me give you some practical next steps as we enter into this 21 days of prayer and fasting. One of them is to utilize the daily devotional. Um, my assistant Suzanne contacted, there's 21 people from our church, from our, our Skagit campus, our Billingham campus, our online campus, our student ministry, our volunteers, our senior saints. 21 days, uh, 21 devotionals have been written in here, one for each day. And you can pick one of these up at the information center. Here's the great thing. These are also on our website, on the app. You can get that if you don't want the paper copy, that's great. In fact, if you do better with digital, it's on our website, it's on our app. And here's the really cool thing. That this year, this 21 days devotional is on the YouVersion platform. Some of you use YouVersion. It's a Bible app that's used by millions and millions of people across the face of the planet. And if you are a YouVersion app user, if you go into YouVersion and you look at plans, you click on plans, if you type in Cornwall Church, if you type in 21 days fasting, a whole bunch of plans will come up. But if you type in Cornwall Church, this will come up and you can use the YouVersion platform. So starting Tuesday, uh, there's 21 days of fasting and there's a devotional each day. And for all of us to be doing that. The second thing is day zero, which would be tomorrow. Use Monday, January 10th, as day zero, as a discernment day to think through so that there's intentionality in your 21 days of prayer and fasting. So that you don't just kind of randomly go through and say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fast occasionally. And you look at what's on the menu and like, yeah, it doesn't really, yeah, I'll fast this one. Yeah, that there's some intentionality. That you plan, not as a legalistic ritual but that it's a guideline, it's, a, it's an outline, it's a framework to work from, so there's an intentionality. And let me give you some ideas. You can do this however you want. Again, the whole idea of I can't eat for 21 days, that's not it. Maybe there are different layers. This is what I do. Maybe there's some layers that are not terribly, terribly challenging, a little bit of a stretch, but for the entire 21 days, you say, this is what I'm gonna say no to for the next 21 days. That maybe I'm going to, in my case, cut out desserts. Or maybe you say, I'm going to cut out, um, you know, the, the radio in my car on the way to and from work or, or school or whatever. I'm just going to, I'm going to turn the radio off or I'm going to, I'm going to um, say no to, I shouldn't say this because some of you will get really angry and go to a different church, but coffee um, <laughs> or Netflix or whatever. They just say, you know what, for 21 days, I can do without this for 21 days. And that's, it's kind of a, a low bar. Yeah, it's going to be of a stretch, but it will be a good reminder for 21 days. And then maybe the next layer is you're saying, 
But there's something I want to do once a week for these three weeks that's going to stretch me a little farther. Maybe on Tuesday or Tuesday and Thursday, I'll, I will not eat maybe breakfast or lunch. If, if you know, health-wise, that's okay. If some of you, health-wise, that wouldn't be wise. And some of you who are saying, yeah, I don't think it's wise for me. If your doctor <laughs> says it's okay, you're fine. All right. But, but maybe say, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to skip a meal or a couple meals or a couple meals a couple times a week. And then maybe there's something during the three weeks, you say, there's something I really want it to be where I've got to depend on God. Like I wanna go a full day without eating or I wanna go three full days with just water or juice or whatever it might be. But put together a plan. Maybe it's, I'm gonna try something different each of the weeks. I'm not gonna dictate what you should do. This is why I want you to seek the Lord. I want you to listen. I want you to, to think through. But as important as it is as putting this plan of what you're giving up and eliminating, think through what is it I'm going to do? How am I gonna say yes to Jesus? How am I going to engage in worship? Maybe for the 21 days, I'm gonna memorize a passage of scripture. Not just a Jesus wept, and not just a he must increase, I must decrease. I'm gonna memorize a passage of scripture. I'm gonna take six verses, seven verses, whatever it is, and I'm gonna commit that to memory, and then I'm gonna spend some time on my commute. Instead of listening to the radio or to the, to the news, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill my mind with these words of scripture. Or I'm gonna worship. I'm gonna say no to, to this style of music and the only music I'm gonna engage in is, is worship music that just feeds my soul. Or you know, I'm gonna spend some extended time in those days when I'm not eating on those meals, I'm gonna go for a prayer walk or I'm gonna, gonna spend some time in silence and solitude and just listen, God, what would you have for me? Or maybe some time, or I'm gonna spend some time, extra time in serving others and, and giving myself for others. I'm not sure what it is that you would do, but not just to empty out, but to fill up the third thing I want to challenge you with is a daily prompt. It's a daily prompt, and uh, set on an alarm on your phone, or if you're really old like me, on your watch, um, maybe for like 3.30, and I'll let you choose a.m. or p.m. <laughs> if it's a.m., check with the people in your house. But at 3.30, if there's a little alarm that just reminds you, 3.30, why is this going off at 3.30? Oh, John 3.30 says... He must increase, I must decrease. As a daily reminder that every day, at least once a day, we are reminded to pray, Jesus, I just want more of you in my life. I want more of you and less of me. And finally, if you want to, at the midway point of the 21 days is a Saturday, January 22nd. That's the middle of the 21 days. And what if those of us who are participating in this on that day all of us fasted something. Again, I don't know what it is, I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but all of us were fasting something. On the 22nd day of the 22nd year of the 21st century, when we're doing 21 days of fasting, that we all concentrated our focus and our effort in seeking Jesus. Now I just wanna say, what if what if hundreds of us that call Comal Church our home spent these next 21 days saying no to ourselves in order to say yes to Jesus, fasting and worshiping, reining in our physical appetites to hunger more for the things of God, detaching from this world to engage in the kingdom? What if we just kept praying, he must increase, we must decrease? Do you not think 
that God would fill the hungry with good things. Listen, I don't want this to be an obligation. It's an invitation. I'll say it again. If you've got a bad attitude going into this, I'm giving you permission. Just say, I'm not going to participate. And my prayer for us is that it would come about like not an act of duty, but a thing of beauty. A thing of beauty to draw us more into the image of Christ, more into his presence, connecting with him. I cannot tell you how excited I am to engage in this 21 days. I can't tell you how excited I am for those of you who will do this and how excited I am for us as a church as we do this.